We are going to now move to the next area of doctrine. We've been talking about the doctrine of salvation, and that was a really good study of looking at John chapter 3 and 4 when Jesus taught to, we have two accounts of personal conversations with people about salvation, Nicodemus and the woman at the well, and those really serve as guides for us in talking to people. So I really enjoyed looking at that. And now we're going to move to the eighth area, the Holy Spirit and sanctification. There are 12 basic areas that I have organized doctrine in. You can organize it different ways. But um, these 12 are major areas that we can put all doctrines into. And this is what we use to uh, study them. First area being God. Second, the Scriptures. Third, the spirit world. Fourth, uh, creation. Fifth is somewhat of a unique area that's not talked about a lot, but it really is a major part about how God set up life. So uh, five is, is God's sovereign authority in human institutions, how God has delegated authority here on the earth through the family, church, and the government. Number six is man and sin. Seven is Jesus and salvation. Eight is the Holy Spirit and sanctification. Nine is the family. Ten is the church. Eleven, the government. And twelve, the last days. And those are the major areas of doctrine that the Bible teaches us about. And these areas of doctrine are very, very practical. It's how life is to guide us in life. It's how life is to be lived out. And so we want to be practical as we look at these things. And... We need to make them a part of our life. And this is God's will for how life is to be lived uh, on the earth. So, just like the last week we looked at, man and sin, that tells us our problem. This gives us the explanation on why the world is like it is and why we are like we are. It's because we are weak in sin. We are depraved in our sin. That's where we are. And that's why Jesus came and it's why we need Him is to save us from that and to forgive our sins. And that is the most important issue in life. Without that, you don't have the very foundation of life and you're going to go astray in your life without that. So we'll see in, uh, in Mark, in our Mark text that we'll look at later, Jesus is talking to the Sadducees and he says, you are therefore greatly mistaken because you do not know the Scriptures. <clears throat> and that's how our life will be. If we don't understand God's truths and the foundation of salvation, we'll be greatly mistaken in our life. We'll go the wrong way uh, in life. And how we need God in our life, how we need Jesus, even with Jesus in our life, it's still a struggle. It's so easy to get pulled away into sin and how we need to stay close to Jesus and His Word. And then Jesus saves us. He came to the earth for three and a half years approximately, accomplished salvation, opened the door of the kingdom to all who would repent and believe and come in. And then He went back to heaven to sit at the right hand of God as the King of the universe. And then He sent His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was sent to all of his believers 
and that's the area of sanctification and that is how we live out our lives today that's how we have the power to live out the christian life and without the holy spirit we would not be able to do that and so this is going to be very practical and um Our main text we're going to look at is the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. If you'll turn there, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18 is a very short verse, short statement on the Holy Spirit. But we'll look at the surrounding context, but then we'll look at all the other aspects, most of the other aspects of the Spirit's work in sanctification. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now here's two short contrasts. Don't be drunk with wine, alcohol, but be filled with the Spirit. As Christians, we're to be filled with the Spirit. That's how we're to live our life. We're not to be drunk with alcohol. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that just to give you some future preview. We're going to look at that in detail, and I hope uh, you'll be here if you're not, that um, you'll get a hold of the... Uh, recordings. But I've got some real important information to share with you about the issue, whole issue of how we deal with alcohol and wine and in, in, in context of this and the scriptures do this. The scriptures bring this out that the two are polar opposites and that the world goes the first way. And all you have to do is go out every Friday night and Saturday night and see this. That's what they're after. And that's how they live their life, and it's diametrically opposed to how the Christian should live their life. A Christian should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, that issue is debated today. When I grew up, it wasn't really debated in most Bible-believing churches, probably not any of them. It'd be the more liberal other ones that would favor drinking alcohol. All Bible churches didn't believe that. Today, that's changing. And Christians are advocating it's okay to drink. We're going to talk about that. And I've got some real important information to share with you on that. So I look forward to sharing that in the future. Because we need to understand that. We need to deal with this in a careful way. Because this is very dangerous. And uh, this verse 18 hits it right squarely. It says... Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So we're going to look at that. But first, let's talk about the work of the Holy Spirit and how God has given us the Holy Spirit, how that's to work. The phrase here is be filled with the Spirit. And that wording means literally to be controlled by the Spirit. Just like people that are drunk with wine, they're they put it in their bodies and they become controlled by it. Their mind becomes controlled by it. They, they say things that they wouldn't normally say and that they shouldn't say. They say improper things. They do improper things because they're controlled by the alcohol. They're under the influence. That's how we describe it, under the influence. They're controlled by it. In the same way, in the positive way, we are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to control what we say. We're to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit of God is controlling us to say things that are good, to do things that are good, to think things that are good. We're under the influence, and that influence primarily is in the mind. 
starts in the mind and it goes then to the rest of the body. To be filled is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks, though, of two. The New Testament speaks of two aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit. And then there's a second description of the Holy Spirit's work is being baptized by the Spirit. And it's important to understand what both of those mean and involve because they parallel also the two different aspects of the work of sanctification in us. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is what happens at the moment of salvation, at the beginning of salvation. When you receive Christ, you are given a connection to the Holy Spirit. That is what the Bible is referring to as being baptized into it. Baptism is a symbolic act that indicates a change in a new reality. If you're baptized into something, it's saying you're taking a plunge into something new. And that is true with Christian baptism. And God uses it that way. It symbolizes that something new has happened. A change has taken place where an old person has died. And that's picture and you go under the water. It's like a grave. Pictures the grave. You're dying to your old self, your sin, and you're being raised to be a new person. There's a new start. It's a new reality. The baptism pictures that. That wording indicates a new start with the Holy Spirit. That's baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism is a one-time thing. Just like salvation is a one-time event, the giving of the Holy Spirit, when you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, it's a one-time forever thing. Paul talks about that in Romans, that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit from then on. And that's given at the moment of salvation. It's a one-time event. The feeling of the Holy Spirit, on the other hand, is the Christian life we live. It is a repeated empowering in our life to obey God. And so these two words express the, the two aspects of sanctification. Is that sanctification starts in a one-time experience of receiving Christ and being baptized into the Holy Spirit. And in that experience, we get all of the Holy Spirit that we're ever going to get. We don't just get half or part. We get all, a full connection to the Holy Spirit. And that will never change. can never be broken. Once you're made alive in Christ, you can never be dead again, spiritually. You're... Because what Jesus offered you, He said, I'll give you eternal life. And we believed it and we took it. And that means we're going to live with life forever. That, and that life comes through the Holy Spirit. That's never going to end. Otherwise, Jesus would have lied to us. And Jesus doesn't lie to us. And the Holy Spirit empowering is what makes us alive forever. Ephesians, at the beginning of the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about that. He says, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, in verse 13, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. So the Holy Spirit comes into us and stays with us forever. And 
Also in the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about there is an aspect in the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we call positional sanctification. Meaning that we are already seated in heaven with Christ. Paul talked about it. He said in the book, he says, uh, we're already seated in the heavenlies with Him. He's referring to our position that it's already a done deal. We already have a place in God's kingdom that'll be in heaven where He's at if we die before His return, or it'll be with Him forever when He brings the kingdom here on the earth and then makes the new heaven and a new earth and everything is joined together. Heaven and earth is joined. Whether it's Whatever time it is, we're always going to be with God. That position is set. It's guaranteed. That's the wording that's used. That's what we call positional sanctification. And that's given to us at the moment of salvation with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit involves what we call progressive sanctification or ongoing this is the reality of us living it out every day, every month, every year in our life here on the earth. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's all fully accomplished. Paul says you're already, you're already there. You're already glorified in the spiritual sense. That it's a done deal. But progressive is we've got to grow. And there's a growth process that happens. It happens in our physical life, in our physical bodies, as our spirit becomes more and more dominant and it controls us rather than the physical desires of our flesh. That's an ongoing process. That's a, and we can go back and forth in that. The Christian life for everybody is like a roller coaster ride because of us, because of our weakness. But if we will... If we grow, as we grow closer to Christ and go stronger in His Word and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can get higher and higher. But there's always going to be dips and rises. That's just our human nature. But hopefully we're, we're going to be on a trajectory where we're growing in the long run. That's the process of sanctification, and it is an ongoing progressive thing. So you have these two aspects, and they are embodied in the two different words in Scripture for the work of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's the two aspects. So that's important to understand. It's really important to understand both, because the progressive sanctification, the filling of the Holy Spirit, is where we live, is where we're most conscious. And we can get real discouraged when we're on that roller coaster ride, and we go down in the valley, and we think, oh, oh, this is just useless. I just can't keep doing this. I just should give up. It's no use. I can't do this. That we need to remember positional sanctification. That we are secure in Christ. That the Holy Spirit guarantees our redemption. And He will never leave us. And we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we are in Christ's kingdom. That can be a source of strength for us. and can help call us back up to where we need to be. So, understanding those two aspects. Let me throw this out at this point. This is a, really a fundamental thing we need to talk about, and we'll, re, we'll come back to it probably other times. Is there is a lot of confusion today in this doctrine. 
in Christianity, in the charismatic movement. And you see it embodied in these words because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is at the beginning, one-time thing. The filling is ongoing. The charismatics will confuse that terminology. They will teach that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second thing that happens after salvation, later, and it's something you should seek in addition to salvation, and it is an extra empowering of the Holy Spirit that comes on you, and it puts you up on a higher level than the normal Christians down here. That's what the charismatics teach, and that's what a lot of them are, all of them are following. They're seeking this higher level of existence that they call the baptism of the Holy Spirit that they have to seek. They say you have to seek it through uh, tense times of prayer and fasting, and, uh, and as you seek it, ask God for it, at some point, whenever God chooses, He will just send the Holy Spirit down on you and you will totally be a changed person and you'll speak in tongues and you'll have different gifts to do miracles and different things and it'll be a totally new existence for you and that's what they call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Totally different than what the Bible teaches. And I'll point out why that confusion comes, but just understand... When you hear this, these terms, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and filling of the Holy Spirit, in a lot of Christian literature, it will be discussed in a confusing way, confusing these terms, if it's from a charismatic perspective. Their work is, they're, they're totally focused, they get over-focused on this, and uh, when they encounter us, they, they say they're just, they're the Christians that just don't understand this yet, they're not enlightened yet, their goal is to try to get us to pursue that and to become baptized in the Holy Spirit too, and then everything we'll understand. Everything will be different for us if we could just have what they have, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So they'll try to convince us to seek that, seek this second experience. But that's a total misunderstanding of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. There is the feeling that is an ongoing, a repeated thing, but it is just letting the Holy Spirit control us and be controlled by the Word of God. Not some emotional, ecstatic experience of doing something supernatural, like tongues and miracles. So that, that's a big part of the confusion in this area of sanctification. And we'll, uh, we'll touch on that at different times. But understand the, the confusion starts at the terminology at the beginning. Go to the uh, book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, and um, show why, part of why this confusion comes. On the day of Pentecost is when, the, is when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit on the church. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with all, all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now notice it was used the word filled. And that's the accurate word. But this was a new, in a sense, a new beginning for them. This was a beginning of the Holy Spirit coming on them in a new way. But this was a unique time. This was unique because it was at the time when Jesus' ministry was there and He left. This was at the first of the giving of the Holy Spirit's role in sanctification upon the church to empower it. 
So in that sense, this was a, a beginning in that sort, but it really was a, a feeling because they had already become believers. But the charismatics will look at this and say, well, the, yeah, the apostles were already believers. They came to believe on Jesus back in His ministry. And now they've been a believer for two, three years. And now they have this experience where the Holy Spirit comes on them and they can speak in tongues and they can do miracles. And they then redefine this and label it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what they look at and say, hey, this is something that comes on Christians. But the correct understanding of this is this, is just, this was just a new stage in God's work of the kingdom and that did bring about some unique elements to it, but it was a feeling. It was the beginning of the Holy Spirit coming on them, but it wasn't the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were given the Holy Spirit before when they believed. So, the, so now, when a person is saved now, the baptism happens at the moment of salvation, and filling is progressive and is an empowering for service. Look at the book of Romans and we'll see the New Testament speak about how the baptism of the Holy Spirit is at salvation. Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So there, being baptized into Christ Jesus, that involves the element of spiritual baptism. There's water baptism. But notice it doesn't say here you're baptized into water, you're baptized into Christ Jesus. So it's aspect of both. You're baptized in water to symbolize being baptized into Christ which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit through our repentance and faith. The water baptism pictures the spirit baptism. And literally, baptism was a general word. It's become a technical religious word for us today. And that's fine. But in the, this time in the Greek, this was a general word. It meant just to dip something down into to a liquid under something, typically water. If you had a piece of garment and you dipped it down in there to wash it, that was the word baptizo. Where you'd say, I baptized it. That was the word they used, to dip. It's like we say, I washed the clothes, I, I dipped it in there. That's how they used it. But then it took on technical sense of baptism a lot of times, a lot of because uh, the King James translators transliterated it baptize instead of translate it because they wanted to hide the nature that it was immersion because they didn't practice immersion and so they had to hide that so it then took on a religious connotation but the water baptism pictures then spirit baptism be baptized in the holy spirit is we're just we're put in the holy spirit we are connected look at let's look at one more first corinthians 12 and this is the um, strongest statement about it. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been all been made to drink into one Spirit. And that's the term there. We're, we're dipped into the Holy Spirit 
meaning we're connected to him. Now, I think that we could, in trying to explain that, it's more the idea that the water symbolism is there. It's more probably the idea of what we experience with electricity. When you plug in something to a socket, that's really the idea. Is that when we were saved, our spirits were dead. They were unplugged. Unplugged from God. We were separated from God. But when we received Christ, our spirit was reconnected to the Holy Spirit. It was connected in some in a spiritual way that God did. And then that allowed now the power of God and the presence of God to flow into us. Just like when you plug in into the wall socket, electricity comes into that, into your thing, whatever you plugged in. That electricity comes from the power plant. And there's a circuit all the way to there. That power plant's way far off. You can't even see it. But when you plug in something in that plug, you establish a connection from there all the way to it. And it delivers what? Power to run your whatever you're plugging in. And that, I think that's a good picture. Is that we are separated from God from our sin, and when we receive Christ, that is our sins are removed, and we are then Spirit, our spirit is plugged in then to the Holy Spirit and we are now connected to God. And we now have His power that can flow into our life because there's a connection now where before it was broken. And so in a sense, just like that electricity that comes all the way from the power plant, now is into your appliance. The power of the Holy Spirit is now in us because of the connection that happened. And that's what I think practically happens. And that's how we're made alive spiritually. And it, it's a real aspect of power. We have the power of God that now can, we have access to it. Now, and we'll talk about this more later, but then you say, well, why do I feel so weak? It's because we have to learn to access that power and to live by that power. And the key is in our mind. I suppose it might be, this might be a good illustration, is uh, <clears throat> you can plug, let's say we get the vacuum cleaner out here. We plug it in. It's made a connection, but it's not running yet. What do you have to do? You have to throw the switch. And we have to learn how to, how to live by that in our minds, and that's like throwing the switch to really access that power. Power's there. We just need to learn how to turn it on. So the Holy Spirit is given to us to help us to have God's power in our life that we would not walk in sin, that we would not walk in drunkenness, to be filling our life with drunkenness and debauchery, that we would not be walking in immorality, we would not be walking in all kinds of host of things of sins, but that we would have the power to do what God wants us to do, and the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to do that. And that began with when we were baptized in the Holy Spirit and that connection was made. And now through the filling of the Holy Spirit, we learn how to live by that power and to be able to say no to sin. And this is what Jesus has given to us to help us to live out obedience to Him. And it's His gift to us. The word sanctification means to be set apart to holiness. And this is the result of the Holy Spirit. This is why... The Spirit is called Holy. Holy is really an adjective. The Holy Spirit, because that's the work He does in us, 
He seeks to empower us to live holy, obedient lives full of light for God. And that should make a difference. It should set us apart and set us on a different road, different activities. Ephesians 5.18 says, not being drunk with wine. That's the wrong road for being filled with the Holy Spirit and not having uh, fellowship with any unfruitful works of darkness. That's what it says in the context there in Ephesians in the previous verses. It says, it's shameful to even speak of all the things they do in the darkness and we're to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We're getting ready to have the celebration of darkness every year that we have in Halloween. And it's all just a... uh, trick of the devil to get us to try to celebrate darkness and evil things you know the devil uh, he tries he's, he's had to be sneaky in the united states with our christian foundation around the world halloween is a big deal it's a religious deal they believe it's really big in africa and south america it's not so much in asia they have their own manifestation of it different ways But uh, around this, October 31st, they believe that the dead spirits all come out of the graves around that time and on that night. And that they've got to appease these dead spirits. And so they'll they'll go to the cemeteries and they'll set food out at the grave sides of their departed ancestors. They'll set gifts out. They'll do all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, some of them may sit out there and do whatever, but they go and put gifts out there to try to appease them because they think the said spirits come out and they come out then to try to harm everybody. And it's a very religious thing. Most of the world believes it. A lot of in South America, it's Catholic. They all, they've just accepted all that. They've incorporated into their church life and they'll all, they all believe this. And it's all just giving credence to you know, activity of demons. It's just activity of demons. If there's anything to it, it's, it's de- demonic activity. And it does promote and, and bring about demonic activity in different ways. And they think it's their dead ancestors. But it's not. Once you go in the grave, you don't come out till the judgment. But here in America, Satan just had to be more tricky. And he did that by making it a holiday. And thinking, oh, this is just about fun. It's just fun to scare people and do all this scary stuff. And that's what everybody's getting ready to do. And to put all these hideous stuff up that's just demonic and evil. And Ephesians says that we are children of the light. For you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And so, as the world promotes the darkness, but had no fellowship with that. And uh, we're to be filled with the Spirit and to manifest the light in the darkness. This, like I say, this is very practical. This, this affects how you look at life, how you go about life. And we can uh, shed God's light in the midst of all of this uh, darkness. All right. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your work to save us and then to sanctify us, to give us the Holy Spirit 
Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence with us to give us life and a new mind and power and just teach us how to listen to you and how to follow you and to walk in the Spirit. Just guide us as we look at these over the next, these truths over the next few weeks and just uh, strengthen us in uh, living these things out. Help us to be your witnesses of, of light this week uh, as the world pursues darkness and evil and help us to share, bear witness to the truth and your salvation. Help us to walk in your ways and all that you want us to do. And fill us with your Spirit that we may be your servants on the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.